Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. Just as anticipated, just as promised, I am back for a second episode here on Thursday this week, and I'm going to talk about, you're going to learn something uh, that you're not going to find anywhere else because no one is talking about this. Now, this is a super important issue, a very, very important issue that has widespread ramifications for America, Uh, but it's not the hot, sexy topic. Uh, I could talk about those things too, but you're going to hear about those on Fox News, Newsmax, uh, wherever you you get your news from besides me. Uh, No, I want to talk about another way. uh, This is important, right? We talk about the backdoor means by which the Democratic Party seeks to uh, use unelected bureaucrats, bureaucracies, people we did not put in office, people we have not given permission to do so, uh, to still radically transform this nation, to attack capitalism, to attack Americanism, to attack freedom itself. And that's what's happening. The Federal Trade Commission, right? When was the last time you thought about the Federal Trade Commission? I I doubt any time recently, but I want to put it in the front of your mind right now. There is a woman, the chairwoman of the Federal Trade Commission. Her name is Lena Khan. It is no coincidence that her last name is the same as another, Genghis Khan. Now, Lena Khan is going to destroy the free market. That is what she's aiming to do as the chairwoman. She is using her position in the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, to destroy, assault, attack capitalism. Genghis Khan destroyed civilization. She's going to destroy our civilization uh, via the FTC. And these are not people that we voted for. The President of the United States nominates these individuals, and then they are confirmed in the Senate. Now, there are five commissioners on the Federal Trade Commission. No more than three can be of the same political party. Right now, Uh, Of those five commissioners, three are Democrats and two are Republicans. They serve seven-year terms. And the president's the one who chooses which commissioner is going to be the chair. And so, remember, when we talk about the EPA, for example, right, we do not vote on the members of the EPA for anybody who works in that uh, bureaucracy. And we certainly don't give them our permission to go and shut down our coal plants, to regulate CO2, to fundamentally transform our economy. That would take an act of Congress, but it's not popular. The American people don't want it. It represents totalitarianism. It's destructive. And so Congress isn't going to touch it because they are elected. They have to face the consequences of their actions, their votes, their legislation, which is what we're coming up to in the midterm. So what the Democrats brilliantly have decided and learned to do long ago is to abuse that system. Those people aren't voted. They're shielded. And so they can do what the Democrat Party is incapable, prevented from doing, in Congress with legislation. So they do it in secret. Now, the FTC, Lena Khan, who is, as I said, a Democrat and the chairwoman, well, she has sued to prevent Meta, that would be Facebook, right? They changed their name to Meta, from acquiring this tech company called Within. It's a, a VR company. And look, we know Facebook, Meta, they've long been looking to be the first pioneers of the VR world. Uh, they're They're... they're I mean, they're putting a lot of capital investment into, into you know, expanding VR technology. 
VR, whether you like it or not, is kind of like what the iPhone was. It's what computers were. It's what the telephone and and so on and so forth were throughout history. I mean, whether it, it becomes popular or not, they see it as as something that's going to uh, become popular in in society going forward in the future, right? The metaverse, that's what they want to create. Now, look, I'm not a fan of Zuckerberg or Facebook or the metaverse. I'm not. I reject it. I think it's dangerous to our society. And this is the brilliant part. People on our side, look, we hate the tech monopolies, right? We despise them. And so I want you to be careful here. I'm going to teach you a lesson about how the Democrats are taking advantage of us. We cannot be ignorant on this. We cannot fall for this. Now, most Republicans and conservatives, we don't like Meta. We don't like Facebook. We don't like Zuckerberg. We know how he interfered, put you know $500 million or something, invested into Democrats uh, in the 2020 election. We know how Facebook censors conservatives. And the left knows how we feel about them too. So they're exploiting our feelings to get us to sit back and cheer what's happening at the FTC on, to ignore it or to support it, hopefully, is what they want. Because this is an attack on our enemies, if you will, right? That's the way this is being perceived on our side. They're going after Meta, after Facebook. They're preventing them from doing something, acquiring a company. Who cares, right? We're cheering this on. Yeah, let's get Meta. Well, be careful. Be careful. We should care very much. Now, I know the left. I know how they operate. I, too, am a strategist. And we cannot fall for this. This is a tactic. My job, as I view it, is to look at the battlefield with a bird's eye view and to alert you of what's coming. Right? We're sitting here. We all have to fight our individual battles. But, but one individual doesn't necessarily uh, facing the different... Look, you, you, if, you're, if you're a parent, you're worried about the school system. Maybe that's your priority. The economy right now, that's significant to every American. There's all these social issues. You know, the pro-life movement. So we're, we're distracted here, and all of us, we don't have the, the capacity to be focused on all these other things, but they're happening too, and we need to recognize them, and we need to know how to act, how to move forward. So that's what I do, right? I'm looking at the battlefield. I'm looking at all the fires the Democrats are starting in the country, and I am warning you, I'm warning the Republican Party um, about what they're up to. Now, what they're doing with the FTC here, targeting... Zuckerberg and Meta, preventing them, suing them, and preventing them from acquiring this VR company called Within. Look, it's like it's like a famous battle, a war in the past, right? Think about it this way. You hide your cavalry troops. You send in your infantry. The enemy thinks they've got you beat because all they see ahead of them is an, an infantry. Maybe, you know, they outnumber that infantry they're facing. But, you know, you don't see the whole battlefield. So, you know... Your opponent gets you drawn into this conflict with the infantry they put in front of your face, dangling it like a carrot, and then once you bite, they send in their cavalry to rout you. You are out-strategized. You were taken advantage of, and we are being baited here. Now, this comes down to antitrust, right? What is antitrust? Uh, in short, it's, it's the government intervening to break up monopolies, supposedly to promote competition, right? AT&T, that's one of the most famous examples I can think of, the Bell Company. It had a monopoly on telephone services in the United States, and Canada for that matter, but especially in the United States. And they had vertical integration, which meant that it owned not only the companies that produced the equipment, but also the companies that provided the service. And so after AT&T broke up, allegedly, we'll get into this a little bit later, but it allowed other companies to enter the market and compete. Sprint was one of them, for example. 
So anyway, uh, you know, this was in 1984 when AT&T was broken up. The Justice Department sued AT&T. They asked that the court break up the company in the monopoly. But, but that was not the first attempt at breaking up Bell. We're familiar with that because it really changed the landscape going forward. But back in 1907, Bell was hit with an antitrust suit. Back then, the government was actually interested in taking over like they are now with utilities, internet, and so on and so forth. But this conversation was going on back then. How much involvement should the government have in these services that Americans have come to depend upon? Back then, it was the telephone service. And the government was trying to make arguments. People were trying to make the argument that government should take over the telephone industry completely. So it wouldn't be private anymore. It would be publicly, it will be owned by the federal government. And the reason that Bell back then actually made a couple concessions was because they too were concerned that this debate was going to lead to the government ownership of the telephone and telegraph. So Bell actually settled in, 20, in 1913 and, and made these concessions. One, it divested itself of Western Union. Western Union was the telegraph company and service, which it had bought in, two, in 1907. And then the second concession was that Bell agreed not to actively pursue buying any other uh, rivals in local markets. So they were exercising self-control, limiting themselves, uh, rather than permitting the government to make a case to take over the entire industry. And look, we know that when the government takes over an industry, it's not a good thing. I mean, if, if, if the government is breaking up these industries in the name of competition, well, there is no competition when the, when the government's involved, right? We know that competition leads to innovation. The need to earn money, to sell products, to drive costs down, right? That's what competition does. But, but when the government is involved, there's no competition. It doesn't innovate. It's, it cannot do what the free market can. And so the government, we should always avoid conversations, not avoid conversations, but we should never entertain the idea that the government should be taking over any industry because we know how it leads just based on human nature. Um, so anyway, after, after Bell made those concessions back in 19, uh, you know, 13, when it settled the case, antitrust suit. Well, Bell went on for, you know, several other decades after that until 1949, they were hit with another antitrust suit and they wanted that time it aimed to break up Bell's vertical integration. As I said, they produced, manufactured, leased out, and they also provided the service. So what they, what the antitrust suit was aimed at in 1949 was destroying the link between Bell's telephone service and Western Electric, which produced, manufactured, leased its telephones to customers to use with its own telephone services. I mean, this is exa exactly what happens today with internet companies, right? You rent their modems or their cable boxes, inter internet boxes, whatever, Wi-Fi systems to be used with their services. So anyway, in 1949, Bell refused to give up Western Electric. Look, there's a reason I'm telling you this story, so stay with me. So Bell wouldn't give up Western Electric, which produced and leased its telephones to customers to use with their services. Instead, they agreed to get out of the new computer business. So what happened was the government essentially forced them to give up their IP, intellectual property. And that was the transistor technology. Transistor technology, obviously that was used with a transistor radio, and later it was used uh, for computer chips. So they gave up their invention. But even after that, Bell continues to grow. And then in 1974, they get hit with another antitrust suit to break up their telephone monopoly. And that was it. You're too big, the government said. 
and they broke up one of the biggest and oldest companies in the United States. Now, plenty of arguments can be made in favor and against antitrust. Does it even work? Is it fair? Is it really beneficial for the consumer in the end? I mean, I can entertain arguments from all sides. In the end, it doesn't seem to be very effective because, you know, monopolies are, are, are always formed. I mean, it's just the nature of competition, right? I mean, if you provide such a superior product, well, the other business is close. So this is the cycle, right? Competition breeds innovation, stiff competition. And sometimes it leads to such amazing innovation that other companies can no longer keep up. And so you have this amazing invention, this new technology that is useful and beneficial to the American people, but you have one company that really controls it. That's just how it works. It makes sense, right? So anyway, here's the point. Antitrust, the way we viewed it in our history, the way it's been used in our history too, is such that it's been used as a means of breaking up pre-existing monopolies to create more competition, right? Let me just explain that again. The way antitrust has always been viewed and used by the government, in courts, by the Justice Department, by the FTC now, it's been used as a means of breaking up monopolies that already exist. Lena Khan is doing something unprecedented, something insane, something that upends the way we have viewed antitrust laws for over a century. Do you remember the movie Minority Report? It's set in the future, 2054. There's this specialized police department called pre-crime. Now, this department, pre-crime, apprehends criminals based on foreknowledge of crimes, right? They have these three psychics. I think they call them pre-cogs. But they have these three psychics, these three individuals who predict future crimes, murders. And the police arrest people based on those predictions before those future crimes happen. It's not based on an event that takes place. It's based on an event that these three psychics predict is going to take place. So they're preventing murder before it happens. And Tom Cruise plays this pre-crime chief, John Anderton. And uh, anyway, Anderton learns that, that one of these three precogs, they, they're called, the psychics, well, they occasionally see a different vision of the future than the other two. And this is called the minority report. And these reports are purged from the official record. Anyway, this movie, this, this story uh, based on a Philip, Philip P. Dick, I think is the, the author's name, it was a short story turned into this movie. Well, it raises the, this, this paradox, right? These criminals are technically innocent at the time of their arrest, but it's for the greater good, right? And so there's a clear flaw in the system. And it raises the question, is the future set and predetermined or can free will actually alter the future? And for the greater good here, free will, privacy, freedom, those are all sacrificed for the quote-unquote greater good. And so anyway, Lena Khan wants to operate the FTC like it's Minority Report. She wants to break up future monopolies before they actually are monopolies. So in this lawsuit that she filed against Meta, the FTC, they alleged that the deal would give the social networking company, Facebook Meta, a leg up in dominating this growing virtual reality market. And so this suit, I mean, this is the first time the FTC has ever preemptively challenged an acquisition uh, by this social media giant, Meta, 
which has already bought more than 100 smaller comp- companies over the past decade. And so I want to share uh, uh, some pull quotes here from a Real Clear Markets article that kind of explains this and the danger of it. So, so from the Real Clear Markets article here, give him a hat tip. The expressed reasoning from the FTC in doing this, right, in blocking this acquisition by Meta, is that the lessening of competition that would allegedly spring from the acquisition may result in reduced innovation quality and choice, and that Meta would be one step closer to its ultimate goal of owning the entire metaverse. So, let me get this straight. So, the FTC is now in the business of predicting what markets want and interfering in blockading, blocking acquisitions because they know what's in store in the future. One woman or five people, they are now tasked with the role, responsibility of picking winners and losers, of stopping monopolies that they, I mean, these people think they are the psychics. We went from the three psychics in Minority Report to the five psychics on the FTC that alone can predict what monopolies might exist in the future. So there are a lot of things here to address with this. Firstly, as Real Clear Markets points out, Meta stock price has tanked. Um, it, it's I think it's been halved. And what does that tell you? Well, that, that actual market actors that actually have skin in the game of virtual reality of this quote-unquote metaverse, well, they don't seem to be as impressed with Meta's future as Khan is. So what is she basing this on? You've got a falling valuation of Meta, which tells us that investors aren't even sure that Meta is going to dominate social media. And we've seen this. Facebook is dying. Facebook is dying. To make a bad analogy, because I'm a Christian, uh, I'll explain why in a second, or you'll get it. But, you know, I mean, I mean, Meta is kind of like Christianity in America. It's, it's just dying off. People aren't using it as much anymore. Now, not using Meta is a good thing, not going to church, uh, not espousing, you know, those virtues that have made this nation great and kept us intact with our principles and so on and so forth. That's a different different discussion. But anyway, has anyone asked Khan what the metaverse even is? Do you think she could even define it? Again, you know, these people can't define woman. How can they define the metaverse? Which is not so biologically clear and black and white. I mean, I would love to get Khan up there and ask her these questions. Hey, uh, can you explain like what the metaverse is, you know? Um, how exactly does this work? What is it? I mean, it would be... More fun to watch that than even watching Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre up there struggling with any questions whatsoever to, to lie for the Biden administration. But anyway, I mean, assuming she could even define it, you know, how can she or anyone else for that matter, anyone, know how it's actually going to shape the future? You can't predict this. Do you see What's insane about this? And I, again, I'm not a fan of Facebook. But look how this can be applied after that. They, they, this is the low-hanging fruit. They get us to buy in. And then this is how they go forward with precedent. 
blocking anything that conservatives, political opponents, for example, want to build up. They can, they can use this to destroy any, any industry, frankly, right? Whether it's gas or oil, let's say they want to transition us. Well, we know this, but okay. How, could, how might the FTC interfere with companies that are investing in research that has to do with fossil fuels and so on and so forth? Well, they can block those as monopolies. They can stifle, you know, before there even are monopolies. They, they basically can dictate which industries flourish and which do not. So anyway, um, let's see here. All right. You know, mo- most startups fail. Um... Bill Gates once observed, this article points out, that something like 90% of his commercial endeavors at Microsoft didn't work. Uh, and the point is, Meta, this acquisition that they're trying to purchase for a large sum of money, this investment, well, they could be spending billions, tens of billions, on a, a dry hole, on something that's actually not going to work out. And so the article goes back to Khan. And they point out something important here because the left, this is a lesson, the left always does this, right? They always claim to have noble intentions. So she says that she personally doesn't want Meta, doesn't think Meta should own the entire Metaverse. This is her opinion. Think about how arrogant that statement is. Who is she to dictate whether someone can buy a company or not because of her opinion? What is her expertise on virtual reality, on meta, on running businesses? This is somebody who just went to Yale. She doesn't have any practical experience in the real world. And this is the problem with all the politicians. You know, it's a cliche now to say they couldn't run a lemonade stand, but that, that's true. I mean, these people have never done anything to create a job in their entire lives. They don't know what this takes. And here they are telling businesses what they can and can't do, accusing them of being monopoly, monopolies, trying to stop them from becoming monopolies before they're even monopolies. So, you know, and, 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 and you know, if Khan was some genius whose opinion about the future actually had validity, well, she'd be rich like Nancy Pelosi and her husband, right? She'd be predicting stocks. She'd have billions of dollars rather than sitting here speculating about uh, what's going to be lucrative tomorrow. But she doesn't. She's just a salary-taking federal bureaucrat. And so she is not in a position to opine about which businesses are going to flourish in the future, who's going to dominate in the future. She cannot even predict the future. Nobody can. And this is why... This lawsuit, this precedent con is setting, is so dangerous. You know, the future of commerce is going to be created. It's not just going to happen organically anymore. And, you know, I think you could bring up, you know, the automobile industry, for example. At one point in in American history, the automobile was enormously expensive. There was a saying that cars were rarer than millionaires, and of course, millionaires were very rare. But how great that cars actually existed. And because they had these enormous price tags, 
What did that signal to the market? Well, you know, since whatever small sliver of, of elites could claim ownership, could, could afford to purchase an automobile, well, it, it's, it predicted a car-abundant future. And, you know, the wildly rich in society, uh, they tend to predict that. You know, they call them venture buyers. You know, what they uniquely have access to that they choose to spend their money on by means of providing them greater comfort or health or, or betterment, well, that is a, is a great lure for entrepreneurs. And that breeds competition. And that breeds innovation. And they know that, that great wealth is going to come along for them. It'll be their reward if they can begin to mass produce what only a few rich can now. That's how this always works. You know, you have a trial. It costs a lot up front at first. And then, you know, I mean, look look at the, the automobiles too. Like th- those things in our cars that used to be such luxuries that every car has now. You know, it's harder and harder to really distinguish the importance or the difference between a luxury car and just kind of a run-of-the-mill car these days, right? I mean, you've got air conditioning, you've got... Uh, you know, USB cord hookup for your phone. I mean, you, you've got navigation in many cases. These were things that used to be only afforded to the, the rich elite. And now those are standard operating practice in, in just about every kind of automobile. So, you know, let's go back to, to, the, to, to, the, to the car. Because real clear market gets into this, and I want to—I just want to use what they say because it, it, they make a brilliant point. Investment begets more of it. So the point is, look, if Facebook's going to invest heavily in virtual reality, uh, well, maybe other companies are going to start to do so as well. So let's go to the car. Because the original ones were so expensive, it made them a magnet for investment that was going to foster production enhancements that were going that were meant to reduce its price, right? Four. The invention of the assembly line, right? I mean, look at it in terms of what Meta's trying to do with this purchase of this company today. All right, they're probably going to spend, they probably wanted to, are trying to spend a fortune on this company, which is the point. Um, You know, because we need competition to create the future, we need people that have enough money to make these purchases, to be free to make them, right? So if if more investment, this piece points out, will flow into more startups based on confidence within the VC community that there will be possibilities for exit from their intrepid investments. So if Khan fears future meta-dominance based on her complete lack of understanding of the future, she should actually step back and allow for meta to dominate. You can't interfere with a market in this way. And so there you go. I mean, the future is going to be selected by these people, shaped by these individuals. You know, the pre-crime unit is now the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. And this is kind of flying under the radar. And again, this is, this is meant to get us on board, to set the precedent, because none of us like Facebook, to my point. None of us like Meta, you know. But, you know, look, 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 at, look at what happened with... Twitter. 
with social media in general. What was the response after conservative voices were silenced, censored, blocked? How many new startups are there? Like, let, let's look at Twitter and Facebook, right? Those, those targeted conservative voices, they shut us down, they blocked us, they kicked us off of our accounts, they punished us. And what happened? It created a new industry. It created competition because we were looking for a place where we could exercise our First Amendment right to free speech, and it didn't exist. So companies came along, invested huge capital, and created platforms that could rival Twitter, Facebook, and so on and so forth. You've got Getter. And I'm not even an expert on this because I don't use them all, but you've got Getter. You've got uh, Truth Social, which is you know Trump, the Trump-backed free speech platform. You've got Parler. You've got Rumble to rival YouTube, which was silencing people. And so that competition is existing. You know, the, the free market takes care of that in itself. But what the Democrats and this FTC are now doing is a backdoor way behind the scenes of shaping the future of America. And it may start with Facebook and you may sit here and say, okay, well, I hate Facebook. Let's shut them down. I don't want Facebook to have a monopoly. But Facebook's already dying. All right, it is. And frankly, I, I mean, what would have happened? Look at the iPhone. You know, what if the FTC had stepped in and said, no, we're going to prevent Apple from buying the, you know, X company and Y company that's going to give them the ability to dominate the, the phone market. Aren't you glad you have an iPhone today? Look how that changed everything. An iPhone, Apple, that's not the only product anymore. It dominated the market, but more and more, money's been poured in from Samsung, from Google Phone, from all these other industries that are trying to create competition. And the result is it drives down costs. They're not as expensive as they used to be. I mean, the flip phone, you know, I remember I used to want a Razor when I was a kid. I was in high school. I was begging my father to buy me that Razor phone. It was just really sleek. And, and you know, it, it wasn't that much better than the other phones. You know, you could text message, you could get on the internet barely back then, but it was a cool-looking phone and it had a price tag that was well beyond anything else. But now look at where we've come. Now look at what we have access to. That's because of the free market, because of competition. And these companies, look, you, these companies have the capital to invest in these things. You know, some, some small startup, unless they get an influx of cash, can't do it. You know, I mean, the car took off and was successful because it became cheap. It was a great, brilliant invention, a good idea. And it changed society. Every now and then those things come along. I don't know if virtual reality is going to be that. I hope not. I think it's ridiculous. We do not need to be living in an alternate reality. We already do with the news media in this country. There's two worlds you know, that we live in based on what media we consume. And what we watch on TV does not dictate what's actually happening in real life around us. It's a fake reality. So is social media, right? It's a vicious cycle. People post the best moments of their life. They eliminate any semblance of hardship. Everyone consumes that, wants to compete. That shapes their view of success. In turn, those people post the best moments of their life while hiding the, the, the hardship that they're experiencing. And everyone thinks that everyone's life is better than their own, but it's not true. Social media is a fake world. That's why I don't like virtual reality. I don't want more of it. I fear it. But it's going to happen or it's not. 
So anyway, so beware of the FTC. I mean, this is the kind of stuff the Democrats are doing every day while we're paying attention to January 6th, those investigations, what they're doing there. While they're trying to force the transition with this, you know, to green new energy with this Inflation Exacerbation Act, they call the Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to hollow out. I mean, it's so absurd what what they're doing with that, by the way. But that's that's another conversation. We'll get to it again. I talked about it. I've talked about it much recently. But this this is this is what we need to be paying attention to as well. How they are weaponizing bureaucracies, unelected bureaucrats, bureaucrats whose salaries are paid by you and me to go ahead and interfere with markets because it's Facebook today and it's another company tomorrow. Do not be bamboozled because this happens to be targeting Meta right now, who you may not like. Don't be bamboozled in supporting this, right? It's like getting rid of the filibuster. It's like packing, stacking the Supreme Court, right? These are, these are, these are mistakes because you have to think about it in the, the long term, the broad strategy, how it's going to impact you in the future too. And so I think they know what they're doing by going after Meta right now by pretending as if they're going to go after these social media giants and these tech companies because, look, if we're going to allow them to interfere with Twitter and so on and so forth, well, they can go after Parler. They can go after Getter, anything else. And so there's always room for these things to be abused, and that's why we have to demand restraint. You know, we're walking a tightrope here, and it depends upon virtuous people because these bureaucracies are always going to be ripe for abuse. And, and you know, the only way to oppose that to prevent that from happening is for moral people to be in those positions we have to exercise restraint and self-control we have to demand it of our opponents and we have to impose it on ourselves so anyway lena khan you may have never heard of her until today but uh lena khan genghis khan out to destroy capitalism all right god bless you all this is drew allen your millennial minister of truth Until next time.